your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. Is there more to this? We let it go for a minute? Just let it go another second. More seconds? This is it. No, this is. Is this the right song? Well, there's a couple that Trans Siberian Orchestra is really known for. All right. I don't like this, is not the song. I think the big thing they do, Rick, is that. This starts right now. No, this isn't it. This isn't the song. We played a different one last week. You know, maybe. You need the light show because I know yeah. they're famous for touring around the country and having a really cool light show in the concerts they do. So it's not so much the music or I think the you ability. Need, like, lasers and flashing lights and these smoke artists, and... these artists' ability to play these instruments in such a way cohesive together, for putting out this beautiful music. No, it's about the smoke and the light. We just see cool lasers going off lasers. while they're playing the and, music. And therefore, go across the road to Riverside Park, right? Yeah. Like, just, go, just go do that. Um, yeah, we're going to have to figure it. We might have to do Trans-Siberian day-to-day just to figure out which one. <laughs> and I know it's not, oh, come all ye faithful. That is not That is not the one. That one will put us all to sleep. No, that does not sound like a good Trans-Siberian Orchestra song. Not not on a Friday. No. That's like a Monday, like (laughs) the capping off of a Monday. Come on. That's UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Chergoski. I'm Rick Solon. This is Lacrosse Talk PM. We're all, you know what? We're always in a good mood because it's Friday. We love Fridays. uh, My mom's in town, so we've been... She kind of helps me. We've been cleaning the house. <laughs> We're doing like spring cleaning though. Like, oh, we need to like consolidate. So I've been consolidating a lot of my stuff today. It's been a, it's been a day. Um, on the list, on the list of stories we got, the, and we've got a lot, a, a lot, and they're almost they're almost all political. We've right? got a lot of politics. If I get down, man, you put a lot of stuff on here you know what we need to do oh there's the dunkin donuts story then there's, yes there's a lot of politics and then there's the dunkin then donuts we've got story. some silly news dunkin donuts it sneakily went up over there by menards i don't even know all of a sudden i was like oh there's a dunkin donuts here i didn't even know like wham bam and then it's there it didn't it, it just magically appeared i think it's one of those drive-through only with also a walk-up window it's not one where you can go in and hang out it's it's kind of like a small location. Nobody needs to hang out at it. There's no. Yeah, you, you I don't know. know. Like who hangs out at a Dunkin' Donuts? You, you want to get in, get out, and like hopefully nobody sees you, right? <laughs> because you're just like, oh, I need all the donuts. And I don't actually want anyone to know that I'm just I'm buying two dozen donuts. I mean, there's some cool coffee shops where you might want to hang out, bring your laptop. Get some work done. But yeah, but they Dunkin sell scones. They sell scones there. They and, do sell and scones. And even though they're the exact same thing, you can be like, oh, I'm sophisticated. I have I'm, a scone I've here. I've got a scone in my MacBook, and I'm going to do some work. They're <laughs> <laughs> playing Trans-Siberian Orchestra in the background. <laughs> yeah. 608-785-7914. If you got questions. Um, okay, can we just do a rundown? Got questions of like, about the new Dunkin' Donuts? Yeah, can... for sure. I mean, have you tested it out? I don't go. I don't eat donuts because I just don't need any more. Like, I would just rather have a hamburger. So any time of day, I don't care if it's breakfast. I'll eat a hamburger before a donut. Sure. But, um, okay, a rundown of the, like, political stuff we have. Uh, Tim Michaels mad Donald Trump didn't uh, didn't come campaign for him again. 
Is yeah. that what this is about? Is he crying? And I, I heard him crying, too, about like him losing, what, $12 million of his own money on the campaign? Yeah, Tim Michaels did an interview, his first major interview after he lost the race for governor to Democrat incumbent Tony Evers. Michaels had some real complaints about how things turned out. And on the Jay Weber show on WISN, he said that he talked to Donald Trump about a week before the election. Trump says, I'm not going to come. You've got this thing locked up. I've seen the numbers. It looks really strong. And then he says Trump actually congratulated him on winning the election. And but A week it, before. It, yeah. But it went beyond that, Rick. Paul Ryan, former Speaker of the House, former House member from the Janesville area, Tommy Thompson, and Ryan's Priebus, former RNC chair, former chief of staff to Donald Trump, all told Tim Michaels he had this thing locked up. He's going to win. Focus on the transition. They were actually telling him, look, don't even worry about the election. Focus on getting ready to be governor. That's Oops. like, uh, what is that called? It's the trap game. Yeah. So in sports, it's the trap game. So the... You know, if the if the Packers, well, the Packers are a bad analogy right now because they are the trap game. If the the best team in the NFL were to play the second best team in the NFL next weekend, but they have the Packers this week, the Packers would be the trap game because they're a terrible team, and they would look beyond look beyond the team they're playing now ahead, looking ahead. Uh, so he was like looking. Do you think that maybe changed Michael's mentality a little bit, thinking, oh. I'm going to I'm going to kick back. I'm going to put my feet up. I mean, he he did come to, to lacrosse right before the election. You know, Rick, he has been criticized for not campaigning in Dane County in Madison. And this is something he touched on in the interview. Dane County had 90 percent turnout. Dane County is also the fastest growing part of Wisconsin in terms of population. And the Democratic numbers for the party in Dane County keep getting better and better for them. So it was crushing for him to get blown out in Dane County with huge turnout. He criticized the Republican Party for not focusing on Dane County, but he also never campaigned in Dane County, and he didn't really put any money into the Madison area. And a lot of Republicans, like Tommy Thompson, have said, what are we doing? We're ignoring Madison, which is the fastest-growing part of the state. Sure, it's a Democratic area, but maybe we could get some more votes out of this part. And you know, maybe instead of losing 80 to 20, we could lose 75 to 25. And that would still make a big difference for them. Yeah, it's not an electoral college vote that we do in Wisconsin. That would be weird if we did an yeah. electoral college. Then you would just, everybody would, every Republican would then ignore Madison completely and probably parts of Milwaukee and maybe even lacrosse. And then just go campaign elsewhere because they, they would never win the elect. The, that's why the Electoral College is so stupid. <laughs> Some people say it's the opposite, and that's why uh, it works, but I don't know. Um, all right, so so we have that that we just went off on a tangent on. The, the Robin Voss had to talk with the January 6th panel. Yeah, um, this I think this is the final interview that the January 6th committee had planned. They had wanted to talk to Republican Wisconsin Assembly Speaker Robin Voss for a while. There was a lawsuit that Robin Voss filed trying to block the subpoena. It's but always interesting. He agreed to talk with them and did so this week. That's always interesting, too, right? Hey, we want to talk to you about, you know, perhaps trying to overturn an election and perhaps what. And Robin Voss, to his credit to a degree, 
has 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 recently at least said that the, the I guess I mean there's he he's done some flip flopping here I guess yeah Robin Voss has been a bit all over the map on Donald Trump now we know that Robin Voss does not like Donald Trump most notably because Robin Donald Trump endorsed Robin Voss's opponent in the Republican primary election and then again in the general election so Robin Voss and Donald Trump are not getting along I'm not surprised that Robin Voss ultimately talked with the January 6th committee. We know that Donald Trump has been or had been repeatedly calling Robin Voss, trying to get Robin Voss to decertify the 2020 election results. Donald Trump was calling him as recently as earlier this year, in fact, this spring and this summer, trying to get Robin Voss to decertify the 2020 election well over a year after the election actually happened. Always a red flag when uh, the, a committee wants to look into overturning the government and then you file a lawsuit not to talk to that committee. Like what? Like if there's nothing to hide, then there's nothing to hide. So I'm, I'm really curious what caused Robin Voss's change on this issue because a couple months ago he did try to block the subpoena. Then this week he goes there, talks with the committee. We don't know what he said. The committee thinks that he might have some relevant information, but we don't know a lot about this. What we do know is that Robin Voss did change his mind about resisting the committee's efforts to talk with him. I'm fairly certain you don't know this, but when Robin Voss files a lawsuit to block having to go talk to the January 6th committee... Who's paying for the lawyers to fight that? <laughs> Is it us? Is it the taxpayer? Well, you know, I mean, he's they, they want to interview him in his capacity as speaker of the Wisconsin State Assembly. So they want to interview him in his capacity within the state government of Wisconsin. So there's your answer. Right. So he has no <laughs> there's no like, man, it's going to cost me three hundred fifty dollars an hour to pay for this lawyer. It's like ah, taxpayers are doing it. I'm going to file a lawsuit for everything. So uh, maybe we should change the rules and and, and uh, how how our government officials get to file and and defend lawsuits and who gets who pays for the lawyers. All right. We got to take a break. The fire I, just brought, so I brought all the energy out of it. Remember now we're relaxed. Year, we were thinking we're about relaxed. Andy Williams and all his awesome songs, and then we decided that Andy Williams only really has two really upbeat Christmas songs. That Well, in my library, anyway. Correct. And I was going to go Trans-Siberian the whole time, wasn't I? Just, I that, that song we played last week was the song, the Trans-Siberian. Someone's going to text it, too. What is the Trans-Siberian Orchestra song that, that kicks A? <laughs> is it Christmas Canon? I bet it's- oh, that might be it. Fade. Let's fade Andy Williams out of here. Have you gone to the... This isn't it. <laughs> no. <laughs> let's get rid of this before. Let's get rid of... Is it Mad Russian Christmas? A Mad Russian's Christmas? That sounds... Uh, we, we shouldn't play that. I think like, we'll get in trouble. With Rush, how that. Russia's, yeah. I mean, Ukraine will be after like us. Like Putin. Um, have, you, have you walked through the uh, Riverside Park? Not yet. yet. We're really looking forward to taking our now seventh-month-old baby through because we think she will be fascinated by the lights. My mom's in town, so she did want an update on how you guys are doing with the baby. Oh, uh, our baby girl is doing great. Yeah, but how are you doing? How am I doing? (laughs) How is my wife doing? We're tired. We're really, (laughs) really tired. Uh, all right, 608 785 That's UW Lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chergoski. 
Um, yeah, we kind of we kind of hit on the 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 Trump Tim Michaels thing, the Trump trope. Uh, January sixth, that one. Let's you know we're good. Um, you're you're gonna be you're gonna be all over the media next week because uh, we have another person adding their name to the Wisconsin Supreme Court race. Uh, me and William Garcia, the Democratic Party chair, talked about this. What's funny is I talked about gerrymandering on Monday with Jay Heck from Common Cause Wisconsin. And didn't didn't realize that everybody was going to be talking about gerrymandering, and it's kind of the perfect time to talk about that. In in terms of we we just had a the election is over, we can kind of see how the the state assembly is 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 uh, leans right. I would say not even leans right. The the teeter totter is the fat guy is on the right side of the teeter totter compared to the left side. Um, does does the way that you see the governor's race is fifty fifty? The Senate race, U.S. Senate, all the statewide races were 50-50, right? Essentially, obviously, somebody won 49-48. Um, does, that, does that point to a real sign that the state is gerrymandered? Yeah, Rick. When you look at the statistical evidence of gerrymandering, it's overwhelming that Wisconsin is one of the most heavily gerrymandered states in the nation. Now, to be clear, even with so-called neutral maps, whatever those might be, it is likely that the Republicans still would have won the majorities in both the state assembly and the state Senate. That was my next question, because it it, it is getting more and more difficult to draw every district, all 99 assembly district lines through Madison. Correct. I mean, you go from Bayfield down to Madison. That's a weird district. You got that right, Rick. (laughs) You got that right. I mean, the way that Democratic voters are increasingly concentrated in Madison and Milwaukee I mean, it's a huge advantage. And, and, and here, and here in La Crosse, La Crosse County did go more Democratic. Would you say La Crosse and Eau Claire are, pl- are places that Democrats are like really depending on? Is it Eau Claire one, too? Or Eau not? Claire is one also. Eau Claire did move a bit to the Democratic side. But Green, Green Bay isn't. Really? Green Bay is pretty middle weird? of the road. And Appleton isn't. Pretty middle of the road. Like, why? What is that? Like, yeah, you know, I think it's the different demographics. Is there no UW school in Appleton? Well, the, is that why? <laughs> you know, UW-Green Bay is out there. I don't know, Rick. I, I think it, it has something to do with the maybe the demographic differences in these areas. Maybe some of the legacies of voting Democratic for a long time in this uh, maybe, area. Maybe they have lawmakers that have been in the Green Bay. or I feel like the lawmakers aren't all that like incumbent. You know what I mean? Like No, they're this, not. This longtime old school, you know, like a, a Ron Kind, so to speak, but in the state legislature that's just hanging on in, in Appleton or in Green Bay. Green or- Bay had one of those for a while on the Democratic side, and ultimately he retired. So... You know, they did have some kind of old school moderates who uh, fit the area pretty well. But, Rick, I mean, it is the case, though, that as the Democratic voters become increasingly concentrated in these urban areas, that they really can't win a majority in the state legislature, even with neutrally drawn maps. They certainly can't win when the the other urban areas like Appleton and Green Bay in in Minnesota, like Winona, you would think yeah. if you're going to go like Rochester's got to be Democratic, right? It, it is not to the extent that the Twin Cities are. But the, but Winona isn't at all. The, the, yeah, yeah. Looking at the Minnesota numbers, I, I did notice like it's the Twin Cities and then everywhere else. It's it's really kind of 
staggering a little bit how how the difference and more and more rick it's the suburbs of the twin cities and we noticed the same thing this this election year with the suburbs of milwaukee the suburbs of the twin cities and the suburbs of milwaukee have really moved towards the democratic party in the last several elections robin voss the wisconsin assembly speaker on the republican side actually did talk about that saying he's really worried about how Republicans are doing in these suburban areas. He thinks that Donald Trump is harming Republicans' abilities to compete in these suburbs. And we've seen evidence of that from both Minnesota and Wisconsin, again, most notably in kind of those affluent suburbs that surround the Milwaukee area in this state. The suburbs are growing like the big they city are. grows, right? Like as the city grows, you talk about Madison being the biggest growing area. Well, then those those votes spread, right? Like they spread out and and um and then, and then the districts get a little bit easier. In a decade, it might be easier to draw the line. Rick, it's a contradiction because Dane County and Madison are booming. But that doesn't help the Democrats win a majority in the state legislature. It certainly helps them win a statewide election for governor. It definitely helps them there. But because Republican voters are more dispersed geographically, even with objectively drawn maps, Republicans would still have a pretty modest majority. Yeah. Now, gerrymandering does add a we, few seats onto their majority. We shouldn't though. be worrying about if if everything else is fifty fifty. We shouldn't be worrying about wow, there's we're one seat away from a super majority. Like that doesn't even make yep, sense. Yep. And and Rick, that conversation does go to gerrymandering. Gerrymandering makes it possible for a two thirds majority for the Republicans to even be a possibility without gerrymandering. The Republicans would have a solid but not overwhelming majority in both chambers of the Wisconsin state legislature. All right, we're going to do this election thing here in a couple of months with the Supreme Court. Let's do it again. Is is the the woman that's retiring, Ro- Rogan, what's her name? Uh, 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 yeah, yeah. Rogan yeah. Sack, is yep, that yep, her yep, name? Yep, yep, She's yep. like 80-some years yep. old. Is she retiring or is her term up? She is retiring, but her term is also oh, up. Oh, her term is up. So okay. it's kind of like. I don't I'm kind of old don't a, really want to work for re-election. Weird, this is a weird place to put a Supreme Court. Are the Supreme Court elections always in this weird spot where eh, that's going to be the only thing going on and and really that benefits Republicans I think. Right? They are always spring elections. Okay. So Oh, nonpartisan. Nonpartisan. Nudge nudge, wink wink, nonpartisan. That is really one of the unfortunate aspects of how these state Supreme Court races have turned in Wisconsin. Sure, they are nonpartisan in the sense that there is no Democratic or Republican Party label next to the is, candidate's name. But Is this a Wisconsin I mean, thing or is this a statewide or a United States? So thing? there are different rules. Some states do have a D or an R next oh, okay. to judges. So you can do that. But it's a state-level decision. In Wisconsin, we've decided to not have well, what, a party label next to the candidates. What I'm saying is the party label, whether it's there or not, yep. is this This isn't – is this more common because there's it liberal – I mean the, the U.S. Supreme Court yep. is clearly this. The, every, is every state like this? Like there's liberal and there's conservative judges? You know, it, it is, Rick, but the divisions in Wisconsin are especially stark and especially obvious. In some states – 
the division between Republicans and Democrats is a little blurry. It's not so obvious which judge is a Republican, a conservative, which judge is a Democrat, a liberal. This was in Wisconsin, it's painfully obvious. This was kind of an issue in Minnesota, was it not, when the governor's race? Because the Supreme governor has some kind of say over the Supreme Court? They do. They do, Rick. And, and, and you know, in, in Minnesota, I would say that the Supreme Court doesn't seem to be as politicized as it is in Wisconsin. Like I say, I think it's quite appropriate, in fact, that Wisconsin's Supreme Court is so viciously divided because this is a very divided state. So the court just reflects the broader political divisions of the state. And it just gets beyond this myth that they can put on their robes and be perfectly objective. In fact, they have pretty clear ideologies and pretty clear party affiliations. Let's let's say all things are even. I mean, just got a minute here uh, to run for Supreme Court in Wisconsin. Let's say that I'm running and I, I tout myself as Mr. Bipartisan. <laughs> but I get, then I get Brian Hagedorn to endorse me. Mm-hmm. Brian Hagedorn is the guy that that's kind of been down the middle. He's like the one unpredictable one. He's the, on the only guy on the thing. Yeah, so maybe, and, and maybe it's it six, wouldn't be six females, one male. <laughs> this look beyond that. Let's look beyond the sex, right? Like yep. beyond the sexes here, and and say that wouldn't be an issue. Would would somebody that had the that endorsement of Brian Hagedorn, and then you don't come in as liberal or conservative, and nobody could really. I don't know if that's possible. Would would you have a better chance of beating Dan Kelly and and it seems like a pretty far right judge? Sure. And I don't know about the liberal judges, but they're already labeled the liberal judges. Yep. So could somebody sneak in and win this thing down the middle? Very possible. I mean, especially Rick, because we are going to have for the first time in as long as I'm aware, four serious candidates in the primary election in February. So we go from four to two. Go to from four or to from two. from whatever the number is to two. Yep. And so the top two contenders, vote-getters, in February go on to the April election. Can anyone still get in this race? Yeah, we have, there's we have still month, time. Right? There's still time. All right. So, yeah. I mean, and do you think having Brian Hagedorn in your corner would be a good thing or a bad thing? Because I feel like it would alienate Republicans. I think in a primary with a lot of candidates, it could be an advantage because it might signal to people, hey, I'm the one actual independent out of these Because that's what candidates. Brian Hagedorn seems to He's be. He's more of an independent than the other six justices. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The man in the on the Supreme Court, of course, you know, the down-the-middle <laughs> straight thinker. All these women... <laughs> You know, far right and far left women on the on the Supreme Court. You know, in many ways, Rick, it makes him the most powerful judge because he can decide how a four to three case goes. So it's strategically smart for him to be independent. I feel like it might alienate all the voters, though, because but it the, just makes everyone because unhappy, all the though, Republicans yeah. already hate that guy. Oh, Republicans and then, hate him. And then he just voted for the Republican maps. Yeah. On the, on so, the gerrymander. So it's a it's a total double edged sword because Brian Hagedorn, by being the one independent judge on the Wisconsin State Supreme Court is the most powerful judge. He's the swing vote, but both sides hate him yeah. for that reason. He's he's the loose cannon, folks, so maybe stay away, uh, anyone running for Supreme Court. Yeah, All right, we'll be God back. forbid someone's independent. <laughs> Baffling. We can't find this Trans-Siberian. Also, like, YouTube's really... It's tough to find. They, they just play the whole concert. You know, when there aren't any words to the song, it's yeah. hard to figure out which song you're looking for. Silent Nutcracker, Christmas Cannon. That's not it. We already discovered it. Well, well, yeah, well, we got it all week. We'll figure it out. 
All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Chergoski is in here with me. Um, libertarian guy is asking if you think Biden's loan forgiveness is unconstitutional. Hard to say. Hard to say. I, I don't know if there's a constitutional issue in play here. It might be about interpreting the law. So I don't know exactly what lens the Supreme Court is going to view this through, but it is going to the U.S. Supreme Court. We do know that. We do know that there is a six to three majority on the conservative side on the U.S. Supreme Court. So I do think that this program faces some legal jeopardy. Again, I don't know if there's a constitutional issue here or if it's just a matter of hey, this isn't really allowed under the laws that Congress has passed. I don't know what the Supreme Court's going to do, but certainly the fact that there is a 6-3 to three conservative majority now may signal some problems for the Biden student loan forgiveness plan. Are you saying that the Supreme Court might just lean one way or the other based on who <laughs> appointed them to the, to the court itself? Yeah, I mean, look, Rick, one, th- one thing that I, as a political scientist, view the world through one, one way that I view the world is I do view the I do view judges as politicians. And I know that that's not how everyone looks at politicians. It's certainly not how law professors look at, uh, at judges as a political scientist. I very much look at judges as politicians and I interpret their rulings by thinking about them as politicians. Like what what brilliant brilliant mind decided that that's how we're going to appoint judges. It's just, I mean, we got to, we got to stop. I don't, I don't know the perfect way to do that. Is there, because in Wisconsin, we vote on them. Sure. And then that clearly isn't going to work because then it's just whatever way the most people turn out to vote. Yeah. And and people will vote based on political party, even though it's, quote unquote nonpartisan. Yeah, we gotta look for the the keyword liberal or conservative in front of their name and then we gotta change the L to a D or the C to an R and then And you know, Rick, what is so interesting is that the judges on the conservative side, Dan Kelly and Jennifer Duro, the two judges who have kind of jumped in on the conservative end, have explicitly said that they are going to approach things from a conservative point of view. So they're making no secret about their perspective. <laughs> but that's really smart, though. I mean, if it's just related to how voters are going to decide on this yeah, thing. Yeah, they're just they're, they're catering to, to a, a base. Meanwhile, the Democratic Party of Wisconsin is promoting the two more liberal-leaning justices who are in the race. So it's just completely obvious that there are two Democrats in the race right now for Wisconsin State Supreme Court. There are two Republicans in the race for Wisconsin State Supreme Court. And I will say, though, with a four-person primary, do we get two Democrats who win the primary? Do we get two Republicans who win the primary? Do we get one of each? We see I don't this, know. We see this partisanship uh, trickling down. Uh, it's a nonpartisan election in April, like you talked about. Yeah. We had one of these, obviously, not too long ago, yeah. and we saw the partisanship trickle down into even lacrosse school board races, uh, other did. school board races, county races. We're, we're seeing this, uh, and it's it's frankly, and you were pretty dissatisfied with both parties in lacrosse because— I was furious with that. Republicans threw a lot of money at, 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 uh, mm-hmm. at candidates mm-hmm. in school board race, at least in, in other places, too. Mm-hmm. And then Democrats end up endorsing, right? I, I think one one shows its hand, and then the other party has got to go. Okay, well, if you're you're going, if you're playing, 
the game, then I got to play the game, right? But but then you're and you're kind of eye rolling at both parties. It's so sad, Rick, that that happened because school boards should be nonpartisan. They deal with complex local issues that don't really reflect political party. I always think about it this way: Does knowing the political party of a candidate help you? Like, does that? inform voters? Does it help you figure out how a candidate is going to do their job? I don't think so in the case of the school board. It only helps you if you don't have any other information. That's right. And that's why we really need to get more information out there about these local candidates, because in the absence of that information, the political parties might come in, try to hype up candidates, and then all of a sudden people are making decisions about county board and school board based on political party when that might not be the best way to look at these offices. And some of these, I would say all these offices are are more complex than most people want to think about or understand. I I can honestly, I'll watch a school board because they're on Zoom. You know, you can watch them or on YouTube and I'll be like, wow, these are really boring. And they're talking about (laughs) stuff that A, is like a little bit beyond me, beyond the, the amount of work I want to put into trying to figure this out. And just like I'm falling asleep. And then you go to Supreme Court, nonpartisan as well, right? Do we really understand what a Supreme Court justice needs to do uh, on a day-in, day-out basis where we can determine if we didn't know if they were a D or an R or a liberal or conservative, we look at that and vote and go, you know what, I really like that. what that person has to say when it comes to them being a Supreme Court judge. If no, we have no idea. No, we don't. And unfortunately, Rick, it really simplifies I would say greatly oversimplifies what exactly the Wisconsin State Supreme Court does, because what people want to know about these candidates is how they would rule on the 1849 abortion ban in Wisconsin. They want to know how they would rule on the issue of gerrymandering, the drawing of maps to favor one party. But but we won't know any of that because the judges will go, oh, that's something that you, you know, they'll they'll they're going to be they're going to be clever about that. They're going to be clever. But people want to know that stuff because that's kind of the two issues that are going to come potentially before the Wisconsin State Supreme Court. And people might want to make their vote based on those issues, even though they handle a million other issues. Do we got to be more creative about what we ask them? Let's let's just throw some like Foxconn questions at them, you know, like because we 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 did stuff with with allowing Foxconn to skate some of the courts, right? Oh, if there's an issue with if with Foxconn, you can jump right to the uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go through the lower courts. You can just go right to our conservative majority on that stuff, which is, like, frankly, a, a little BS in my book. Yeah, Rick, I, I think that there are a lot of problems with the judicial branch in Wisconsin. And I think when the judiciary, when the courts become so blatantly partisan, it just undermines the citizens' confidence in the validity and the integrity of the courts. So it's just such an unfortunate trend that the candidates are so clearly partisan and that this has been happening for a while. It just really, really brings down, I think, the reputation of what is a very important part of government. All right, you're bringing me down. we got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about macaroni and cheese. Cringeworthy. <laughs> 608-785-7914. UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski in here. We're going to try to stop. I, I feel like we could stop. I mean, there there was a there was a ruling in court today in Lacrosse County Court on on a lawsuit that 
Again, we're going after college voters being able to vote on who's going to be their sheriff mm-hmm. while they're in college, while they live here in the cross. Uh, and, and Republicans and uh, now a citizen is filing a lawsuit directly going after college students ability to vote on somebody who you know might pull them over or might might have they might have to deal with at some point in time um let's alienate the college voters even more so yeah i I asked you and we did that last week's show so you can go to wisdomnews.com slash podcast and listen to it but i will say is this a good strategy if if just say like like we rule the college voters have to vote in their hometown where they live even though they don't even live with their parents you know, maybe maybe for the summer they live in college for five years. They live here for ninety percent of the the, the year. Um, but it, well, let's just say they have to. Do Republicans actually want that? Because then college voters are back in their hometown, and then Republicans don't know where they're voting because they can easily point to Lacrosse, Eau Claire, uh, Stout, Madison, Green Bay. They can easily point to all the UW schools and know exactly where the Democratic base is. Because Democrats are only only Democrats are college kids, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, only college kids so are goes the incorrect stereotype. It, it is the case, though, Rick, that they did tend to go more democratic this year. But that- the strategy would the strategy backfire? Would they in 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 if they could if they could snap their fingers and say, "All right, college voters have like they they will only represent their hometown." Is that a strategy Republicans want? Because then they don't actually actually know where the twenty year olds are living. Yeah, it depends if you want the it depends together. if you want the young vote disperse or concentrated. And I don't know which one would be the better strategy, but you could geographically. Is this a question for Tim Dale? It's a question for the <laughs> Tim Dale, the philosopher. The philosopher. Get get him on I here. I feel like this is a numbers thing, though. Right? It, it is. I mean, you know, the 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 vote might be more powerful if it is concentrated in one geographic area. But if it is more dispersed, then, like you said, Rick, it might be kind of hard to understand. It, it might be hard to understand. It might also be diluted. It might also and diluted. De- it might also deter college kids from voting because what they would have to get an absentee You'd ballot. You have to request or, that, yeah. Or be like, "Crap, I didn't request the absentee ballot. I live three hours from home. I'm not driving home to vote. My one vote's not going to count." Uh, you know, I I have this radical idea, Rick, that we should encourage everyone to vote. <laughs> well, we should make it and make it easier <laughs> and make to it, vote and make it I, relatively I some, easy. I know some people that had that had a hard time getting an absentee ballot and then that was the thing and then it was voting day and they were at work and they're like well i have to drive an hour now to go vote because it's you know like based on work and you know our round trip um so they just didn't vote because absentee ballot didn't come in the mail the way that was supposed to and and then you know they're defeated they feel defeated in that way all right i said mac and cheese i wanted to talk about mac and cheese and Florida we, woman this we make, time. Yeah, we make we make fun all the time. Google your birthday, just your birth date, not the year, and then just Google Florida man with it, and you'll find a story that happened on your birthday at some point in time that is funny. But this is a Florida woman story. Florida woman. A Florida woman. A woman is suing Kraft, so the makers of Kraft mac and cheese, uh, claiming Velveeta macaroni preparation time is misleading. Yeah, Rick. I mean, it says on the cup that it takes three and a half minutes, but... Well, that's three and a half minutes in the microwave. If this if this lawsuit, if she wins this, yeah. talk about frivolous lawsuits, right? Yeah. We do, we're doing one in court today. Well, we've got the lacrosse sheriff. That's and a frivolous we, lawsuit. We've got, we've got, got another one right cheese. here. Yeah. But if this thing passes, I've got a beef with minute rice because there is no way in H that minute rice takes a minute. <laughs> I've been saying this for a decade. Like you get the box of minute rice. It does not take a minute to boil water. 
And it does not take a minute after you pour the rice in to, for it to be done, but it, it, it takes three minutes at least. And so if this woman wins the Velveeta lawsuit, and I, I can't find, I, I didn't write down what she was suing for. So, like so this is the idea, Rick. The advertisement, the packaging says that the mac and cheese is ready in three and a half minutes. But that's three and a half minutes in the microwave. It does not account for the other steps required to prepare the pasta, including removing the lid and sauce pouch, adding water, then microwaving it, and then stirring it. You also have to wait as the cheese cools down. Yeah, you can't eat you can't eat it, right? Otherwise there's a whole other lawsuit, right? Like yeah. we saw the 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 person that spilled the hot coffee from McDonald's yeah. to McDonald's and win right. a lawsuit there. Uh, she's suing for five million dollars. Oh. oh, okay. <laughs> Might as well. What was the? I wonder. I guess I don't know. Is there is there a monetary uh, a monetary amount to the Lacrosse County lawsuit when I'm mad that college kids are voting for sheriff when <laughs> when they get to pick my sheriff and then I sue for five, is it five million dollars? Jenny Dinkmeyer, you owe me five million dollars. Is there money to that tied to this thing? Yeah, yeah. I, th- maybe there could be, Rick. I mean, five million dollars. That's pretty aggressive, but. Uh... I mean, if it was $5 million worth of trauma caused by the extra time that it took to prepare the mac and cheese beyond the and three and a half minutes. I mean, are you microwaving mac and cheese? I'm done oh, microwaving. absolutely. You are. Yes. I have had, in fact, the very product that this lawsuit is based on. And I got to say, Rick, it is a delicious, delicious product. Okay, so you... I don't. Is it a plastic cup you get the? Yeah, mac? it's like a little cup, and then there is pasta in the cup. There's a little powder, and then there is a packet of cheese sauce that you squeeze into the cup. Why doesn't it, does cheese just? Why isn't it just in there to begin with? What's the powder? There's cheese sauce and powder. I think powder? the powder is to help the pasta Extra cook cheese. better. Okay, so um, you know you're <laughs> eating pifas when you microwave this stuff, right? <laughs> All this plastic crap, like we can't be microwaving plastic. Stop, people, stop microwaving plastic. It's got PFAS and everything else in it. I just read today there's like billions of microplastics in like your tea pouch thing, whatever that is. There's microplastics in that. So when you're doing hot tea and you put that in, whatever, you put that in hot water. I don't do this either. Um, but yeah, I just read that today. So. Rick, the damage for me has already been done because when I was a broke college student, these cups of mac and cheese were approximately half of my diet. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. You, you get the cup, you pull the wrapper off. Correct. Okay. Wait, like start the clock. Okay. Anthony is in the kitchen. Start the clock. Oh, I want some mac and cheese. Grab the cup. That's 10 seconds. Pull off the wrapper. 15 seconds. Open up the cheese pouch. It's 20, 20, 20 seconds. Put a little bit of water in the cup. Where are you getting the water? From the faucet. So you got to go get a... Go you, to the wait, faucet. Are you taking the cup to the faucet? Bring the cup to the faucet. Okay, ten, that's 10 seconds. We're at 35 seconds. Now squeeze the cheese cup. No, you don't squeeze the cheese cup quite yet. You put the you put the cup in the microwave at this point. Okay. So that's three and a half minutes. And now you're hitting three and a half minutes on the timer. Yes. So we're up to four minutes. And then you take the cup out of the microwave... Open the cheese packet, put it in, and stir. Okay, so that's that's about 30 seconds after. So after we're probably three, up to about four and a half minutes. We're, yeah, we're at the four and a half minutes. We're, we're but a that, solid now we're minute done, over what the cup You're done said. stirring. Can you eat? 
No, you got to wait. I, I would you, wait. No, you're a poor college student that's hungry. Are you waiting or are you just hot, burning your mouth? Well, if I was in my poor college student days, I'm burning my mouth. You're doing the mouth. thing where you, you yep. put the cheese, the really hot mac and cheese in your mouth, and you just go, uh, uh, you kind of blow with your tongue. It hangs on your tongue. You just, or you take a drink of water. You put. Your, you probably don't even take a drink of water. By my count, by my count, we are at least to four and a half minutes while the cup says Three and a half minutes. All right. Velveeta. I support this lawsuit. Velveeta, all you got to do is change. Quick, just change the time. Four and a half, from three and a half minutes to four and a half minutes. Give the lady her $5 million. 